Luke 17, verse 1 through 10. And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. And it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at a at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that, you are commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to our God for giving us his word this morning. Before I enter into this message, just give me a thumbs up if you can hear me well. Just always want to make these technical checks. Thank you. Today we are going to explore scripture and learn about what is the baseline behavior of a Christian. In other words, what is the character of someone who confesses that they know the Lord Jesus Christ? And how is it different than the character of what the world expects? In many ways, this character, the spiritual renewal in our lives, um, shows the world and shows ourselves that we belong to Jesus and not to this world. Maturation of a church, maturation of an individual does not depend upon the things that we simply do as a church, as programming goes or as organization goes, but I think as this pandemic has reminded us that true maturity comes in the character of each individual person and the quality of the relationships that we have with one another as brothers and sisters and the relationships that we have with people in this world. So whether it is you are in a workplace and working up the ladder, whether it is that you are, are single or you are married, uh, whatever stage in life that you may be, this is simply not something we grow out of. This character that God wants us to have, this, this basic spiritual trait is something that we develop we nurture for the end when God looks upon us. He will look at us and see if we have borne the fruit of being his son and his daughter. He will look upon us and say, 
you who confessed my name? Have you lived the life that I've called you to live? So verse 1 through verse 4, we see Jesus talking about temptations and Jesus talking about sinning and Jesus talking about rebuking and Jesus talking about forgiveness, all in this one little package. He gives a stern warning to the people around him and say, listen, look at these children. If one of you were to cause one of these little ones to sin, it would be better for you to have a millstone around your neck and to be thrown into the sea and perish. That if you cause one of these little ones who have yet to know the, the fullness of what sin is to enter into that world, it would be better for you to die than to meet God in heaven in judgment. And so right there, the, the, the tone of this conversation is set. The tone is that sin is serious business. And sin is not only serious for yourself, but you are also responsible. Let me say this clearly. You are also responsible for your brother, your sister, the children, in terms of whether or not your speech or your actions will lead someone to sin or lead someone towards righteousness. Now, if we sat down and we thought about the weight of that, it, it crushes us. How many times have we led one another into sin and to continue to sin? How many times have we been co-conspirators with others in our complaints and perhaps even our desire to walk away from some people? God tells us that the seriousness of sin must press upon our hearts. He goes on to, to talk about, listen, if your brother who has actually sinned against you, perhaps not only do they lead you into temptation, but perhaps they've sinned against you as well. If he asks you for forgiveness seven times, and in the other gospel it says 70 times seven times, but here it says seven times in one day, if he says, I repent, you must forgive him. You must forgive him. If this man or woman comes to you and asks for forgiveness and does it in such a way that you know that they are repentant towards you, you must forgive. You must not exact punishment. You must not exact retribution. 
the first thing you must do is accept the repentance of their sins against you. And you must forgive. This is the economy that God has set up for all of humanity. The political structures, God created those as well. The monetary structures in the world, God has created that as well. But all of those structures will one day pass away. One day there will not be a government. One day there will not be money. The economy that God has set up is the economy of righteousness and unrighteousness, of grace and forgiveness and judgment. And the disciples and the people who are hearing this, and I hope as you hear this, that you feel the weight of all of this. Sometimes I I wish, I wish that there was a scoreboard and on one side would be a list of all our righteous work and on the other side would be a list of all the ways we've sinned and all the ways we've caused other people to sin. And I wish that we could see that with our eyes and I wish that we could actually see Jesus at the, at the right hand of God peering down at us and looking at us, looking at the scoreboard, looking at us, looking at the scoreboard, that we could really feel the weight of what's happening. Because the weight of what's happening is that the list with other righteous work that we have done would be very, very small. But the list of our sins and the ways we've caused people to fall into temptations would be large, uncountable. And to feel the weight of God's stare upon us would cause all of us to reconsider our lives here today and reconsider what truly is important to the Christian life. This is why in verse 5 through 6, the apostles say to the Lord, those who are following Jesus, those who've heard Jesus teach, they said to him, increase our faith. How can we do this? Increase our faith. And Jesus says to him, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry bush, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. This phrase is interesting because we have the same phrase in Matthew chapter 17. When a young boy had had epilepsy and here it's described as someone who has been been possessed by a demon and the apostles couldn't um, drive out this demon and Jesus says to him says to them listen you who have little faith listen 
if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And so we have Jesus sort of responding the same way to do two different situations. The first is, is casting out of demons. Apostles couldn't do it. And Jesus says, if you just had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. And here in this passage, Jesus responds the same way. Oh, you who understand how difficult it is to live a life of not leading other people into temptation, of living a righteous life before the Lord, of learning how to forgive over and over and over again. You feel the weight of both, how difficult both truly are to drive out demons and to live a faithful life to the Lord. And the answer to the both is simple. All you need is simply the presence of faith. It is not the amount of faith that you perceive to have, but it's that little grain of a mustard seed where you say to the Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Our faith is not something that that grows within us in the sense that we are stronger and stronger in our ability to sort of make right decisions all the time. But our faith is dependent on something outside of us, something objective. And that faith is in Christ himself. In the Matthew passage, it says, everything is possible with God. And same here, we must look and say that all things are possible with God, with the faith that we have. It would do good here to reiterate that once again, faith is only as strong as the object that we have faith in. When we stand on the table with rickety legs, some of you might have faith that if you stand upon it, that it will hold. Some of you may not. But if we had a table with four steel legs, and we were to stand upon that, it would still, it would hold us. But if you were blindfolded and you didn't know that the table was that strong, but someone said to you, trust me, you're gonna stand on that table, you'll be fine. It doesn't matter how strong or how weak your faith is. It simply matters that you simply trust that that table can hold you. And once you stand on that table, 
the strength of that table is what confirms the faith that you have. It is the same with our God, our Christ. It is not the size of our faith. It is not the size of how our feelings have towards the Lord. It is simply trusting and, and standing upon his promises and his power that he will answer us. And even if you stand upon that strong table and your knees are still knocking, that table will hold you. And, and so it is, even if you are still rickety in your heart, you can forgive people and love people, and God will use you. Now, this is the character that God is instilling upon his people. A character that leads people towards righteousness and away from unrighteousness. The character of forgiving people when they come to you for forgiveness. And the character of understanding that all of this is not something that we can do on our own. It is not something that the world has prepared us to do. This is something that is spiritually given to us. Don't think that this worldly understanding of loving people, this worldly understanding of forgiving people, is the same thing that Jesus preaches about here. Now let's move on and we'll come back to that point in the end. Verse 7 through verse 10 talks about the fact that this way of living should be the way we live. This is sort of the first time where I, I, I hear Jesus. This is one of the, one of, there's a couple other times, but here you hear Jesus just being sort of matter of fact, like people are going, oh my goodness, how, how can we live like this? How can we forgive people? How can we, how can we do this? And Jesus is just saying, what do you mean? That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And he doesn't go, go oh, yeah, and what's really hard. And he goes, that's just the way it is. If you have a servant, he's been working hard all day. He comes in. What do you do? Do you go, oh, no, that's, that's they had a rough day. No, you, you would expect that person in that role to still fix you lunch, fix you dinner, clean the house. That's, that's what they were meant to do. That's the role that they had. There's no complaining about his position in life. That's the duties that God has given them, that, 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 he, he, that he has. In the same way for us as Christians, God is saying to you and to me, it's like, as you grow in the Lord, loving righteousness and forgiving people don't expect someone to pat you on the back all the time because you do that. Now, when you're young in your faith, perhaps. But as you get older and older in your faith, it should become natural, spiritually natural. That's the way God has made us 
rebirthed us as sons and daughters of the living God. This should no longer look like a miracle to us. But as we grow in our faith, it becomes a part of our personality and a part of our character. You see, we often look at Easter, the resurrection day, and we see the miracle of Jesus's death and his resurrection. A dead man coming to life is a miracle. And we saw in the Matthew chapter that, that Jesus driving out a demon because the apostles did not have enough faith. And we say, what a miracle. Someone who's sick is not well. But the simple fact of, of someone being dead and coming to life is not the main point of the story. Lazarus came back to life. And Jesus healed a young girl who came back to life. We have stories in the Old Testament of people coming back to life. The part of the story that's important is that what that resurrection signifies is not simply a new birth for the sake of overcoming our obstacles. But it's to know that God has taken away and died for our sins and has bestowed upon us the greatest gift, forgiveness. It's forgiveness of sins. It's forgiveness. And in that forgiveness of sins and giving everything to the Lord and even giving our right to to, to, to um, retribution to the Lord. We are counted as his sons and daughters. That's love. What is love? Love without forgiveness is not love. Let me say that again. Love without forgiveness is not love. The world teaches this type of living. That we seek to love people when it's convenient to love people. That it's okay not to love people when they've sinned against you. That somehow we, we all have a, a threshold. And at the end of that threshold, we believe that we have a right to hate. And no one in this world will blame you for that. 
but God's economy is different. We are marked as his sons and daughters by our ability to help others walk in righteousness. And when they fail, to love over and over and over and over again. This world does has remnants of it living here in the United States of America. There's remnants of one to, to do good. There is. But it's never as deep as what the gospel teaches us to do. Look at the list of your wrongs before the Lord and know that he's forgiven you and loved you. Look around you and see, yes, you'll see the wrongs against you. But forgive and love. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And let the Lord give you his favor and his peace. So think today. Are there people in your lives who look upon you and say, you know, I got to tiptoe around, I got to tiptoe around them. If I do one more thing wrong, they're just going to blow up at me again. Ask yourself, do I, do I really want to be like that? If God has forgiven me that many times, I too must forgive and to love as he has. The miracle is not simply Jesus rising from the dead. The miracle is not sort of, you know, being sick and made well. But the miracle is of the heart. Let God nurture our hearts now and always. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for our brothers and sisters. Lord, we are guilty, Lord God, for we look at the economy of the heart, the economy of righteousness and unrighteousness, of forgiveness and retribution. And we don't want to enter into that world. Instead, Lord, we want to look at the world through the eyes of politics, the eyes of economics, uh, the eyes of sports, the eyes of comfort, the eyes of food, the eyes of um, adult, um, um, the eyes of, uh, of having the most uh, fun, whatever it may be. But Lord, all those currencies not only do they pass away, but they are, they are worthless. Lord, we thank you that you have your son, Jesus, given us the wealth of righteousness through your death and resurrection. We are counted as yours.
we're counted as righteous. But help us, Lord, give us, Lord, that faith of a mustard seed. And even though our hands may be shaking, and even though our lips may tremble to say, I forgive you, may we rest upon the finished work of Jesus and live as your children. And we pray, Lord, as your spirit works in us and as we obey you over and over, may we be like that servant serving you and say to ourselves and say to our brothers and sisters and say to this world, yeah, this is, this is what CCPC does. We're, we're Christian. We, we love each other. We forgive each other. We, this is just who we are. This is what we do. And Lord, may that be a miraculous commonplace, common in the life of our church, in the life of us as individuals. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.